we're going to get into the word today. And um, today, as I share with you all, I, I wanted to talk about being a weapon of righteousness. Do you know that you're a weapon? Do you know that, you know, when, when we hear people talk about um, Christianity, oftentimes they refer to it as the army of the Lord. So we want to talk a little bit about that. And, you know, um, have you ever had this experience? It might just be me, but I'll ask you anyhow, because I've written it down here in my notes. Um, have you ever had the experience at times when you find yourself wondering, why do I keep going back to things in my past, like feeling stuck? You know, have you ever had just something like kind of holding on to you from your past and you just don't know how to, you just don't know how to get out of it? You just don't know how to do that. Well, have you ever watched a toddler try to carry a backpack? One or two-year-old, have you watched it? It's hilarious to watch. The thing is, and they all want to carry the backpack. It's like something awakens in them, and they're like, I can do that. So they put this backpack on, and they're falling down. They're being pulled behind, because what do they do when they figure out that they can put something in that bag? They put everything. Thank you. I love crowd participation, so thank you, Patricia. You get an A today in class. So they put everything that they own into this backpack, and even some of your stuff. I mean, I have found some high heels in my daughter's backpacks when they were little, and all kids have done this. But it weighs them down, it pulls them down, it's too heavy to carry. And inevitably, what happens if they're walking in front of you and you're in a hurry to get where you're going? What do you do? Come on, somebody. You pick it up. So they're walking with it on their bag, and you know the little handle on the top, you're like picking it up so they can go faster. And sometimes they realize, you know, the other day, Joshua was bringing his little rider, Ryder's two. Is Ryder? He's two. Ryder Gray's two. And he's coming in here, and Joshua's carrying the bag, but Ryder, it's his bag. So he takes it from Daddy-O, and he puts it on his bag, and this little kid is like falling down because the bag's bigger than him. Bigger than Ryder. So Josh is walking behind him and he picks it up. And Ryder's going faster, but Ryder looks around and he's like, I don't want you to carry my bag. You know, so he's left and then sure enough, finally Isaiah couldn't, because we're holding the door in forever, you know, you get the point. And we're trying to get Ryder to come into the door with this backpack, right? Today we're going to talk about how to take off this backpack because a lot of times what's in our bags, it's too heavy for us to carry. And some of it is unnecessary weight that we're carrying. It's dead weight, right? So today in talking about how to be used as a tool, as a weapon of righteousness, we're going to talk. There are three points that I want to cover with this backpack you know, illustration that I've just given. I want to talk about how you become that, a weapon in God's hands, by knowing who you are in Christ, your identity in Christ. I want to talk about the importance of believing the Bible. We've got to make a on-purpose choice to believe that the Bible is the very word of God. And number three, we want to be yielded. You know, like a, if you're in a car and you're yielding, what are you doing? You're giving way for that person to come in before you. Yielding to the Lord means that God comes in before. He's always at the right hand, always doing what you know he is doing, but we've got to follow and submit ourselves to that. So this is where we're headed. Um, Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I would be negligent if I don't ask that you were to come in here right now, Holy Spirit, and be the very words that I speak. I ask that you direct me, help me to be led by your spirit, Father. I thank you, Lord, for opening the hearts of every person, Father, here in the room and those that are watching online. Open our hearts, Father, that we can hear from you. It's not about me. It's all about you. And I give you the praise, glory, and honor for doing this. In Jesus' name we pray. As a believer, Jesus beckons us to come to him. He beckons us to learn of him and his ways. The goal in our lives is, 
believers is to live so we can build the very kingdom of God here on this earth. In fact, when we pray, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, that whole prayer is that you're praying something that doesn't exist here, because who knows, that, that the world that we're living in right now, sometimes it just feels kind of ugh. And sometimes we just make choices because of what's happening that's kind of ugh. You know, but we want to pray that the goodness in heaven comes here on earth. And the way that we do that is by having that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the heaviness being pulled down in life. I mean, do you like carrying weight that is too much for you to carry? It wears you down. Your legs become tired. Your shoulders begin to hurt. And over a period of time, you know, I, I, my rotator cuff, because I'm, I'm right-handed and, and I can lift a lot of weight, guys. Uh, ask Ann. Ann knows. Sometimes I pretend that I can't just to, you know, be like, okay, um, Miss Feminine or whatever, but I can't. I'm just, I've always been really, really strong in my upper body strength. But over time, because I did lift weights when I was in high school, um, it wore in my muscles. And sometimes I just have to give my muscles rest. I just, I must give it rest to recover and heal. And it's the same way if we consistently try to carry things that were not meant for us to carry, we're going to get worn out. You're going to get beat down. And today we just want to talk about how to just lift that kind of up. So here's what Jesus said. We, we want to drop the weight off of us. Um, we can choose to carry some of the weight, or we can just choose to make a personal choice, walk in the God-given grace that he has supplied through the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's what Jesus said. He said, come to me in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, in the Amplified Classic. Jesus said, and I, you know, I like to, when I read the scriptures, I love putting my name in the scripture. And I think about how Jesus sounded. I'm not just reading empty words on the page. I'm wanting to make this real personal so that my heart can be challenged. So when I read this verse in scripture, it sounds, and I'm going to try to do the best that I can to tell you how it sounds to my ears. Come to me, Mira, if you labor and you're heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you, my dear one, to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your soul. For take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle, I am meek, I am humble, I'm lowly in heart, Mira, and you will find the rest that you need, relief, ease, refreshment, and recreation, and blessed quiet for your soul. For my yoke is wholesome, what I have, it's useful, it's good, it's never harsh, not hard, not sharp, or pressing. It's only comfortable, it's gracious, and it's pleasant. And my burden is light, and it's something that's easy to carry, easily borne. The Apostle Paul teaches us in Romans 8:14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God, we who are led not just following aimlessly. Those who are led are called the sons, the daughters of God. Romans 6.13, Paul continues to tell the church, and today that's us. Do not continue offering or yielding your bodily members and faculties to sin as instruments, as tools of wickedness, but offer and yield yourselves to God as though you have been raised from the dead to perpetual life and your bodily members and faculties to God, presenting them as implements of righteousness, like instrument tools in the Lord's hands. 
Okay? Our aim as a believer is to live a life with God so that our entire being, my mind, my spirit, my soul, my body, my physical body, it relies and it depends on God. That perpetual life, it's something that's always giving. So my goal for me and you as a believer, because it's written clearly there for our instruction, is that our whole dependency, instead of call a friend to ask as a lifeline, it is call a Jesus. Call Jesus. Okay, our whole dependency is that we go through life looking at Christ for the answers that we need. Um, And point one, knowing who you are in Christ. The Bible teaches that every person, you and I, we all made a decision to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that those who call on him will be saved. In Romans 10, verses 9 through 10, it tells us if we acknowledge, confess, believe that Christ was crucified for our sins, buried, raised again, that we will be saved. And so it is for many of us. Today, if you haven't done that, at the end of the service, come see me or one of our staff members. But those who have been walking with the Lord for years, we've heard Bible verses. I like to call it our Christianese verses. We've heard confessions, just like Pastor Cameron just did a confession over the offering. And we know the catchphrases, I am more than a conqueror, I'm blessed and highly favored, I'm the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. All of us have heard that so much so that if someone starts quoting it, we feel like it's scripture and we finish their their line. We finish it. How many times have there been a confession? And what we call confession is that I say and then you say behind me. Like what Pastor Cameron was just doing over the offering. And while we're doing that, our minds are just somewhere else. Because we're not really thinking about the words we confess. Have you been guilty of that? I have. I've done it. And I know. Because I've raised kids and I've watched them. Okay? We say things, but we don't consider the weight of what we're saying. And what we're talking about is knowing who we are in Christ. You see, um, Jesus says in the word of God that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one can come to Father unless we come to him. So how do I know who I am in God? I must believe that Jesus is the truth. And what is the truth? The Bible says we shall know the truth, and the truth will set us free. Who is this truth? Again, go back to what Jesus says. I am the way, the truth. He is the truth. So if I don't know Jesus, I don't know truth. Okay, you get me? All right? I can believe all day long that I'm a son or a daughter of the king of this universe. I can confess all day long all of my Christianese and all of my phrases that other people know that I've heard, and I've heard it so many times that I could repeat it. You see, because, beloved, the goal of salvation is not to give you and I a get-out-of-hell pass. It's a free pass. It's not a free pass. The goal of our salvation was that God can take hell out of our very lives. Okay, so that he can free us from the things that were meant to destroy you and I. We can't live for God if we constantly are weighed down and falling backwards with the stuff that we shouldn't be carrying. But how do we know? How do we know? How do we know what's truth? We must go to the word. So Jesus is truth. The next part of this equation, so believing is just one part. Okay, saying that, okay, Jesus, you're Lord in my life. That's just the first part. But the other part is seeking him more than your necessary food. So when I was 19 years old, um, my husband and I, Shane, we got married when I was 19. Listen, next year will be like 26 years, y'all. I can't believe that. I feel like we've raised each other. But anyway, so when we got married, you know, I wanted to be the best wife 
the best cook, I love to cook, and the best mom. I just wanted to make Shane's world like perfect, okay? I'm not kidding y'all. I just wanted to, and in my way, and I messed up a lot of stuff. But with the cooking thing, I thought, okay, a way to a man's heart is through his belly. So, I mean, that's what I was taught. That's, you know, what I was listening to. And um, I decided that for me to know what Shane liked, what he loved, what kind of made him tick, who would know that? His mom and his grandma. Listen, Mama Jenny, she's going to be 89 this year. She used to iron all his jeans and stuff. So I thought as a 19-year-old, I'm just telling y'all, I can't stand wrinkled clothes. I'm sorry if you wear wrinkled clothes, but I just, my grandfather was a tailor. So I iron everything, all right? So I ironed the man's jeans and his shirts because I wanted to do everything that I thought would make him happy because I loved him and I wanted to serve him. I didn't know that it was servanthood then, but that's what it was. So I wanted to follow what his mom and his grandma did. So I had to, it took effort on my part to, you know, and listen, it's not about a pride thing. If somebody knows how to do something better than you, go to them and ask them. Stop struggling. Don't be riding the struggle bus. And woman, if you have a recipe, share it. There's no insecurity. It's okay if somebody does it better than you. Next time, ask them to cook the meal. Take the pressure off, all right? Let's not, let's not um, contend and be insecure in our lives. It, that's not the way to be. So I had to take the effort to find out who knew him better than me. And it's the same way in our Christian walk. If we want to know God, we must take effort. It's going to take effort. It's not just showing up to church. You know, I said at first service, we've got you here for an hour and a half. And out of that, about 40 minutes, you know, it's the max that I'm going to be talking. Okay? So 40 minutes, if you come to church just 40 minutes a week, and it's the only thing that you're hearing about God, there was a study that was done that said that the attention span of the average person in America, because of the distractions that we have every day, it's like a gnat. Have you ever watched a gnat? Could you catch it? It goes from here to here, just like that. So if our attention span is like that, and 40 minutes is the most that you're getting a message, does it, is, is it going to require that we do a little bit more to get something solid down on the inside of us? Absolutely. Right? It's going to take effort. Jesus, um, we, being with Christ, requires that we get to know him. And if we're not actively pursuing him and finding out what pleases him, we're not going to grow in our walk with him. It means that you're going to find things to read people to hang out with. You know, if you want to go higher, you got to go deeper. Find someone is go who is going where you want to be, in the Lord, not in the world. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5, 15, and verse 17 in the Passion Translation says, So that those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives, but lives that are poured out for Christ, the one who died for us and now lives again. Now, if anyone is enfolded in Christ... Okay, if you fold something up, it's like we're hidden in him. He has become an entirely new creation. All that is related to the old order of living has vanished. Behold, everything is now fresh and new. So our lives must be folded up in him and grafted in him. Um, we got to live for him. And if we live for him, we'll, have, we'll develop our God consciousness and not our sin consciousness. And that's what keeps us stuck, is that half of us are trying to walk this Christian life looking backwards. Remember Lot's wife? She was looking backwards because, what, she was going to miss what she had? We can't miss, beloved, the things that's in our past. We must know who we are in Christ and move forward with that identity. My second point is choosing to believe the Bible. 
Someone said that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting that our results in life would be different. Um, I've got to do something and be willing to do something that I've never done if I'm going to expect to grow in my walk with the Lord. If I have been, now it's been going on 26 years that I've been saved, and if I keep on doing what I was doing when I first got saved, well, maybe that's not the best example because I was trying to move in God. But it took effort on my part. So let me talk a little bit about my past. So one of the things that we must do in order to believe the word is that we have to choose to forget the things that are behind us. Remember what I said? We cannot keep walking backwards. And one thing in my past that was a constant trip up for me, I was five years young in the Lord. Um, Isaiah was just five years old, so Hannah would have been like one, one and a half. She's about two years younger than him. And he was upstairs, Hannah was sleeping, and I left them upstairs, and I said, hey, watch your sister for me. And I snuck out to my garage because, you know, this was bad for me because of my convictions. Um, and I didn't know that it was conviction then. I didn't understand what conviction was because I hadn't been taught it yet. So I had a secret struggle, and my secret struggle was that I was a closet smoker of cigarettes, okay? I didn't want to smell like it. I didn't want anyone to see me smoke cigarettes and much less my children. Because guys, you know, my first ministry, when I got saved, and the first Sunday that I attended church after being saved, Lester Summerall, I don't know if you all know who he is, but I didn't know who he was then. First person that ever laid hands on me. When that altar call was given, I'm telling you, man, I dashed down front. And I thought, I want what he has. Because he was the one that says, give me souls or take mine. And I thought, well, Lord, I, you know, I almost killed myself. Um, before I, I knew you, you saved my life. So I, I wanted to have that call in my life that brought people to the Lord. And um, what I did realize first is that my first ministry was to Shane Short, Isaiah Short, Hannah Short, Leah Short, and Elijah Short. My first, your first ministry, if you are a parent in this room, is to your children. If you're a spouse, it's to your spouse, okay? If you're a worker, you're gonna work in that place like you're working for God. That's a ministry. So ministry is not just a position in a church or an evangelist or a missionary. It's where God has called you. So what I didn't want to be was a mama that said to my kids, do as I say and not as I do. It was really important that my kids saw someone that said to them, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. Okay, that was huge. Isaiah was doing it. It's like, it's the week. I can't remember the name of the week where they all wear red to school. If it's drugs or whatever. And they were learning. Yeah, it was something that they had to do. And I had to do all kinds of red stuff for him. And, you know, I was that parent, that mom who was in this kindergarten class for the first week, just watching to make sure the teacher knew what she was doing. Okay, I, I was that person. Um, I was there with Mrs. Embler. And, you know, here's a secular viewpoint. And here's what Mrs. Embler said, life-changing for me with a five-year-old. She said, I said, Ms. Embler, what can I do to help you help Isaiah? She said, always remember that you are his teacher, not me. I am just here to facilitate learning. Listen, guys, changed my life because all of that was lining up with me being an example for Isaiah. So here I am, my closet smoking thing, and I, ran into, I went into the garage. He's upstairs, Okay. And I'm holding that, I'm standing like the steps right here with my hands on that door. Why do you think my hands was on that door? In case he came downstairs. And he does. He comes, Mommy, I won't talk to you like how he used to talk. Mom, 
what are you doing? I said, nothing. I'll be in in a minute. Go back and check on Hannah. And he is just, he's always been really obedient. I love Isaiah. He's always been really obedient. So he, he ran upstairs to go check on Hannah. And I am standing there now because I'm just going through drug week with him. We're doing homework. I'm volunteering in his class. And I'm saying smoking is bad because he thought smoking was going to kill people. And I'm saying, yeah, it possibly can. So I feel like the biggest, what's that H word? Hypocrite ever. And I start feeling shamed. And in the shame, I started crying. And I'm like, God, I need you to deliver me from this. I need you to take it away. Make it so that even if I smell it, Father, that it just makes me sick to my stomach. And instantly, I dropped the cigarette. And I never picked it back up again. But let me tell you, I didn't say that it wasn't a temptation. Okay? I made a choice. There's, there was still temptations. Now I'm not tempted at all. But back then, there was a temptation, especially when I was feeling like stressed or hurt. It was something you know, that I wanted to run back to. But I recognized my moment. And I said, God, I can't live one way and say something else. I cannot. You know, that scratch was the Holy Spirit inside of me who I've learned to recognize his voice. Does that make sense? So I made a choice to leave these past behaviors behind because, you know, when I started smoking, I was a really bad teenager. I loved to fight. We were in New York City. Debbie Stroud went to the same high school that I went to. Listen, I was involved with a gang in school. It was bad. You know, I, I, it was just I like to fight. And I'm still, there's kind of like a little fight in me now. You know, now I'm not that kind of thug. I'm still a thug. I'm totally humbled under God. Okay, it's a different kind of fight. You like that one? It's a different kind of fight now. Okay, but I started, that smoking started as a rebellious teen. So what it reminded me of every time I picked it up, it would give me flashbacks of how I was as a teenager. Is that how, remember what I said? Nobody walks right by looking back. I couldn't continuously look back to the mirror who I was before I got saved. Amen? So God said that our sins, if the Bible says it, we want to believe it. And the Lord himself says that our sins and our lawless deeds, he remembers no more. And if God has forgotten those things, why do I need to do things to remind myself of it? Okay, does that make sense? Um, so the Bible says that we want to be motivated by the Spirit of God. Remember, those who are led by the Spirit of God are his sons and daughters. Okay, it's okay to participate in this. Jesus left us the perfect example to follow. He said things to us like this. Jesus... He was pretty awesome. He says, dwell in me, and I'll dwell in you, because you can do nothing, nothing without me. That's the best big brother, friend, whatever. There's nothing that he knows how to do that he's going to withhold from us. That's the kind of friend that I want, all right? And that's the kind of friend that I want to be. I'll show you anything I need that I know how to do. Um, Jesus also said that, you know what, Jim? I, you haven't chosen me, Jim. I've chosen you. I've chosen to make my home in you. So if Jesus tells me that he's chosen me, that's a whole lot of just shouting and hip, hip, hooraying that I've got to be. There's nothing that I can do for God to love me like that, right? It's like, but what we don't want to do is that when we're facing a struggle, that we keep putting the things that used to shame us because the cycle that we have is that it's a shame cycle, and we're wanting to break the shame cycle, right? 
If you haven't been able to do that, we'll help you to do that. Because what happens when you're shamed is like you do something, and then the shame is so great that you do it again, and you do it again, and you do it again. But instead, this day, we want to unzip that shame and leave it by the foot of the cross. We want to be able to do that. You know, it, it reminds me of this song that I love, written by Brian Johnson. And I'll read the words to you. It says, where you go, I'll go. And what you say, I say. What you pray, God, I'll pray. Jesus only did what he saw God do. He would only say what he heard God speak. He would only move where he felt the Spirit of God would lead. And it says, following your heart and following your spirit. So this is the, the songwriter, following your heart, God, following your spirit. And how can I expect to walk without you, God, when every move that Jesus made was in surrender to you. Remember what I said. In order to know who we are in Christ, we must know who he is. Okay? To know who he is, I want to know what did he say? What did he think? What did he do? What did he do when his back was pressed against the wall? Did he react or did he respond? And his response, was it his human flesh? That's a reaction. Or was it his response that, hey, God is love and I am love? You see? Because like I said, you know, our, our whole get out of hell free pass, that's just a confession mindset. What are we like when we leave the environments that, that help us to grow in God? What are you like when you're not here for this hour and a half? What are you like if you're a young person when you're outside of the presence of your, your parents? Are the choices you make the same as if you would make it as if they were in the room? But Jesus was aware that everything he said, the Father heard. And it's the same way with us. We want to reflect who God is in us. And to do that, I must have that relationship with him. Like in my little life, I can't imagine Jesus smoking a cigarette. I couldn't. And those were the things that started changing inside of me. All right, when the word became alive, my words changed, my thoughts changed. You know, it's like from going from a victim mentality, I went to the mentality that, hey, God is for me. You know, I, I am more than a conqueror, like what we were talking about in worship. What Joshua was experiencing, that was from the Father's heart. It's an awareness that Christ died to give me freedom. Okay, it's freedom. All right? Um, receiving, believing the Bible would result in what the Apostle Paul, so this is how we gauge our belief, what Paul said of all of us. In 2 Corinthians 3 2, the message paraphrase, your very lives, our very, my life and your life, are a letter that anyone can read by just looking at us. We're walking letters, guys. Christ himself wrote this not with ink but with God's living spirit, not chiseled into stone like Moses' Ten Commandments. It wasn't that. He wrote it with ink carved in our human hands. God has placed everything that we need right here in our hearts by the way of the Holy Spirit in us. You know, the, the compelling thing about Jesus is that everywhere he went, um, people just laid their lives down for him. They just laid their lives down for him. Why isn't the church... Thank you, Anne, for helping me with this. The antidote. Why isn't the church the antidote today in this world full of chaos 
and crisis and confusion? Why is it that the soldiers in God's army looks like to be entangled, like they were picking up every care and looking at every issue in this world instead of us looking to Jesus the Messiah and bring the answers? Why aren't we looking like him? It's because of what Jesus said. I didn't say this, so please don't get upset with me for this. In John 14, 23, Jesus says, those who love me, those who love me, obeys my commandments. So what the implication there means is when I'm disobedient, I don't love the Lord. All right? That's a, that's a, that's a big thing for me. When I'm disobedient, God, I'm not loving you. Okay? My words are not meant to bring hurt or bring condemnation to anyone. This message, it's, it's just been where I'm at, beloved. And I felt like the Lord placed it on my heart to share it with you. Okay, God desires. You know, um, raising my children, I always knew as a mom that rules without a relationship leads to rebellion in their life. Like, I can't speak into Sam's life if I have no relationship with Sam. Sam's going to look at me and say, girl, who in the world do you think you are? Right, Sam? Yeah. If I don't know you. Right. So in other words, to speak into someone's life, I've got to have a relationship with them. Right? God is not a tyrant. He's not. He does not require blind obedience Blind obedience, he doesn't want that from us. He wants us to follow him because we know what greater love he's had for us and how much he loves us. He wants us to know his love. Jesus says, come. He beckons us, okay? So he doesn't want us to just follow a bunch of rules because that means that we have no relationship if I'm constantly walking around like God's going to hit me. I don't do that. I walk around knowing that I'm perfectly loved by God. Have you ever watched a child who's just like, you know, like especially little girls, there's something about them and their dads and their moms, they're just like walking around carefree. They just couldn't care. They just do whatever they want to do where their parents are because they just know that they're perfectly loved by their parents. And that should be the posture that we take with God. All right, so if we want something different from God, we've got to be consistent in our walk with him. If I continuously find myself falling back into an old sinful life that I had before asking Jesus to be Lord of my life, then I'm absolutely 100%. Guys, that's just the way it is. I do not understand who I am in Christ. Because if you understand who you are, and if you believe, so when we consistently fall backwards, we don't understand and we don't believe the word. I must know who I am, what I've been called to, and I must believe that the word and God is one. Okay? If, if God were to walk in today and sit beside you, Iris, what would you do? If he were to walk in and sit right here beside you today, what would you do? What would you do? Right now in this room. You don't know what you do, right? So here's the thing. It's the same way with the preaching of the word. When the preaching of the word comes, we're so distracted. We're on our phones. We're talking to everybody else. We're, we're leaving. You know, use the bathroom before you come in here. Get coffee before you come in here. Now, I'm not getting on anybody. For me, too. What I don't like to do, that's why a lot of times if I come sit up here, there's nobody will come get me from the front row. So one of the services, the staff knows that I'm listening to one service unless an emergency happens. Because I know that when pastor's preaching the word of God, that man's preaching the Bible. And I'm so grateful. Aren't you grateful for our pastor? He preaches the word. So everything inside of us, see, because if he came in right now into this room and he's here for the very fact that you're here, everything changes when he's here with us, 
everything. Everything inside of us should just stand up at the attention of the preaching of the word when we hear it. If we believe the word, we would know that when the word is being preached, Christ is present. Okay? God and the word, it's one. We cannot separate the two. All right? The third point, so knowing who you are, believing the Bible, and now we talk about yielding ourselves as a tool in God's hands. Romans 6 Verses 12 through 13. I'll read from the New King James Version on this. And I also have parts of the Passion Translation in my notes. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments okay, of righteousness to God. The word reign in here, it talks about, it's symbolic for a kingdom, a position of authority, or a king. Okay, don't let this sin have king position in your heart. That's what Paul is saying here. Sin that he talks about here, it's, it's a force. It's not just something that we choose to do. I promise you it's not just something that we're going to choose to do. In fact, if we go way, way back, the very beginning when God made Adam and Eve, and Cain and Abel, when Cain brought his offering before God, God had a conversation with Cain, right? That was written in Genesis 4-7. God said, not the apostle, not anybody else. This came from father, creation, of Adam and Eve, of Cain and Abel. He said, Cain, he said, sin desires to have you. That sounds like sin's like a person, right? Sin desires to have you, but son... Master it. Master it. But we all know Cain didn't master it. He gave way to sin. It's an entity. It's a force. All right? Sin wants to take control of us as a person. Surrendering to sin, okay? And I know that sin has desire. So the verse always also talks about compelling. Sin will draw you. I, I, wish, it, I wish you all could see in my spirit what I see. It, it's like... I can't even put it into words, y'all. It draws. It's constantly going like this. It's voices that you hear. It's emotions that you've once experienced in your sinful life. It's a smell. Yes, I feel it. It draws. All right, the Lord is moving. It draws. Okay? It's, it's not just a word that we throw out there. It's not a hocus-pocus. It's nothing like that. It's a compelling. And it desires to master us. But Jesus says, thank you, Father, that we yield our bodies to him. Okay, that we yield our bodies to him. He's wanting us to give ourselves over to him. And this is the way that we master the sway of sin. There's a real enemy. Guys, we're a spirit-filled church. We make no apologies for that. We don't believe Satan's locked up in hell. Okay, I don't believe that Satan, the, the Satan, you know, the devil, Lucifer, that he's here. I believe he has demon spirits that provokes us. Okay, there's only one him. God can be everywhere at all times. Satan can only be at one place at one time. So let's change our language and just understand that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities, demons, rulers, and, and authorities in high places. Okay, it's a strategic kingdom. I'm being led by the Holy Spirit, so I'm off my notes, Sean. Um, we're being, we're, we're be, we, we have a strategic enemy 
that knows exactly. He has studied you. He knows everything that you have struggled with because you have a past. And because of that, when temptations come, you must be aware that, you know, I know that when we, when we choose to do what's wrong, we're being pulled away by our own evil desires. In fact, I was having a conversation with my, with my Leah, my, my soon-to-be 17-year-old, and I was explaining to her Greek mythology. She loves it. They love reading all those things. And I said, you know, and of course, there's caution there. Listen, my kids couldn't do Harry Potter and all of that. I'm, I was that kind of mom. I do not listen to secular music because I wanted my children, and I wanted my heart. Garbage in means garbage out. Christian music. I wanted to feed on the word of God, and that's what I feed on. But I knew, because I knew my past. Love the clubs, love to dance. I stopped Zumba because I I kept on singing the songs, and I was like, that's not from the Lord. That's not his desire for me. So understand that the things that comes to tempt you, it's always because it's had a past relationship with you. I'm so off my notes. In fact, I had a friend who, her husband was um, struggling with... um, Drugs here, really, really bad. Kelly, they lost like almost everything here. But then they moved, decided let's, let's just get rid of everything and let's just move. So they moved, I think it was some Michigan or somewhere, I can't remember the state. And do you know that they knew no one out there, but when they got out there, that thing came again. And this time it was worse off than before. Worse off, the latter part was worse off. Lost the marriage, lost the home, Lost that, I mean, like, like bankrupted them. And they had lots of six figures behind in their bank account, 401ks. Everything was gone. He knew no one there. But when he got out there, you see, because it's a demonic realm that we wrestle against, okay? But there's great hope. I said it before in first service. You don't wrestle for victory, beloved. You don't fight for it. You are seated and folded in Christ. Think of how you're folded up in your clothes right now. Your clothes is covering you. That is the garment that has been laid up on the inside of you. You have the victory because of what Jesus has done. Amen? All right? So as long as we live in this thing called the physical body, you will have struggles. You will. God said it. But be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Smile. And when you look at yourself, say, I am chosen, loved, and fully accepted by God. You will get over this. But you got to do something that you've never done before and go somewhere you've never gone before and probably have friends that you've never had before. If you want to get unstuck, right? It, it requires change. Yes, it requires change. Romans 6, 6 says that we know that our old, unrenewed self was nailed to the cross with Jesus in order that our body, which is an instrument of sin, might be made ineffective and inactive for evil, that we might no longer be slaves to sin. Okay, Galatians 2.20, I love this. My old identity has been co-crucified with Christ and no longer lives for the nails of his cross. Yeah, that's something to shout about. The nails on his cross, you know, um, it crucified me with Jesus. And now the essence of his life, this new life is no longer mine for the anointed one. It's not me. It's not you. The anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My life is empowered by faith in the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me, for you. All right? He dispenses. I love that. Remember that word again? There's that word. Dispenses his life in us, continuously, perpetually pouring God life in exchange for your old life. Right? 
continuously, every morning when you get up, thank God, I thank you, you're pouring new life in me. This old life is gone, continuous new life. Help me to be like the Spirit of God. Help me, help me to hear. This is how we have to be with God. We must be aware, like I said, that you're in a war for your souls. The good news is that you're going to win this war, okay? You're going to win. Get people around you who can cheer you on, not people who remind you of the past. Cut it off, all right? Remember that Jesus is the one true king of your heart. We must also be aware um, that we need to respond to this, by, this identity. Christ made the great exchange. He gave his gift of life, taking all of my imperfections, and I've got plenty Every imperfection that I have, God keeps giving me everything that he has in exchange, okay? Sin is not just an act. It's a force that will draw you. You know, um, I have a few examples, and I do want to go over them. It's like eating. You know, pastor was preaching a few weeks ago, and it just, I mean, like, it just messed with me. It was the one Sunday this year that I took off. I just said, you know, I just needed some downtime at home, and I'm watching online. And he's going to talk about the fried chicken, and eating the lean. And I'm like, why are you messing with me, Pastor? I wanted some Bojangles today. He's like, how about instead of eating the four pieces, you eat the one? And I'm like, well, okay, I eat two. I like the wing and the breast combo, okay? And, he's, and then he goes to say, well, how about you just take the skin off the breast? And I'm like, now you're messing with me, Pastor. He said, could you just not settle for the lean? You know, and I know that he was talking about our conscience and getting rid of things, just like what I'm talking about today. But it messed with me on the inside because, you see, eating, I, list, I love to cook. I could throw it down in the kitchen. Now I know how to make good meatloaf and stuff. Before I told them I could make a meatloaf that would knock you down dead. It was bad. But I love to cook and I love to eat. But one of the things the Lord was doing, it was real bad, Larry. I mean, it was bad. One of the things the Lord has been speaking to me about is my weight because I want to be healthy. So I started this journey, and I've got some friends that we're doing it together. We're an encouragement to each other. It's not alone. All right, because I want to live. So I started the Weight Watchers thing, and it's teaching me portion control. I can have a piece of pizza. Now I'm making pizza with lavash bread. Listen, it's good, you know, and it's working. But I could have one piece. I don't have to eat the whole thing. Because if I overindulge, you know, eating is a normal response to hunger. Our bodies need fuel. But if I eat the whole thing, that's gluttonous. The Bible calls gluttony one of those seven sins. It's in there. Okay, how about my mouth? So when we yield to sin, we become a weapon. Okay, so I'll go back to the eating. Bulimia, people die from that. They're shamed by it. That's a weapon of the enemy. Christ came, John 10, 10, to give us life and life abundantly. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So if we're having problems like bulimia with eating or anorexia, that's a tool in the enemy's hands. How about our mouths? David, good job. I'll give you another shout out. Good job on Wednesday night. And David kind of touched on this. How about our words being used as weapons of unrighteousness? How about, let's read what James said. He says it best. I don't have to add anything but what the word says here. And so the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it carries great power. Just think of how a small flame can be set or can set a huge forest ablaze. And the tongue is a fire. It can be compared to the sum total of wickedness and is the most dangerous part of our human body. It corrupts the entire body and is hellish and is a hellish flame. It releases a fire that can burn throughout the course of human existence. For every wild animal on earth, including birds, creeping reptiles, and creatures of the sea and land have all been overpowered and tamed by humans. But this tongue, this tongue is not able to be tamed. 
It's a fickle, unrestrained evil that spews out words full of toxic poison. We use our tongue to praise God our Father and then turn around and curse a person who's made in the very image of God. Out of the same mouth, we pour forth our praise, words of praise one minute and curses the next. My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be. Okay? How about another struggle? What about sexual intimacy? God created sex to be experienced in the covenant of a marriage relationship, to procreate life, to bring joy. If you're married to your husband, to my spouse, okay, me for him and him for me in the confines of marriage. If it's sex within a marriage between one man and one woman, then we are fulfilling God's plan and are being used in a righteous way, a tool in the hand of God to reflect his plans for the enemy. How about if it becomes a weapon of wickedness if it's used um, for sexual desire that's outside the confines of marriage? Pornography, masturbation, homosexual love, sexting. Now it's pedophilia love matters. All of this promotes what? It promotes darkness, beloved. And if, if it promotes the kingdom of darkness, remember I said there's ranks in the kingdom. There's a strategy. So if Satan has an army, and God has an army, which army are we going to be used as a tool in? Right? So sin is not just an idea or a thought. Its goal is to take you and I captive. And we must say to this old nature what 1 Peter 2 says. Peter, it's a great passage in scripture. Go read the whole chapter. Read the whole book. All right? But he said, and he warns us that engaging in the old life, it's like a dog returning to its vomit. Or it's like a pig who has been washed of its nasty, muddy, smelly self, only going back into the mud and wallowing in it. Why should we become entangled in something that God has set us free from? The great news is, as I close, the great news is that God has given us everything that we need for life and for godliness. The choice is ours. It's yours and it's mine. And as I've mentioned in the very first, one of the very first verses that I talked to you, when I made it personal, Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor in your flesh and are heavy burdened with the shame of your past and the sins. He says, come, take of me and I'll give you rest. I'll give your soul quiet peace. Doesn't that sound good? It's possible. All right? Jesus is gentle. He cares about everything that we, that you and I struggle with. The heavy laden and the burdenness here just relates to the things that we struggle with. And the precious promise is that the Spirit of God in us, it cries out. Even when you don't, if you have given your life to the Lord, when you don't know how to cry out to God, the Bible says that our spirit cries out, Abba. Abba is Father. God help. The Spirit will make intercession for us. So you see, so there's not much that you have to do. You just have to believe and start working on knowing who you are in God. Start believing that the Bible is the very Word of God, right? Knowing, believing. Here you go. So my action points today, there's just three of them, and I just want you to just hear me out with this. Are there any resources that you might need to invest in, like a Bible study, a book on a subject that you perhaps have once struggled with. If you need help, come ask one of the staff here on staff, we'll help you. Is there a mentor or someone that can come alongside you, not to hurt you, 
but to help you. And a mentor, beloved, is not someone who is struggling with the same things that you're struggling with. They're not set free if they're struggling with it. All right? I could tell you how to walk away from cigarettes now because I dropped it. Okay? That was, what, almost 20 years ago. Okay? But if I was still struggling, I mean, what, it's like the blind helping the blind. Does that make sense? Find a mentor, someone who's already past that. You want to go higher? Dig deeper with someone. Are there places, friendships, TV shows? That's huge. We get 40 minutes of a gospel message, and, and that's like too much to handle. What are we watching on the news and the TV that we need to cut off that's taking us back? TV shows are like some of this stuff is, is horrible. Netflix, horrible, horrible. I can talk to you about Netflix privately. We might need to remove these things from our lives, all right? So if you don't mind, just bow your heads right where you're at, right where you're at. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you. We give you our praise and our worship. God, I personally ask for every person here and online, Father, if there's anything in our lives, God, that we just need to hand over to you to unzip from the backpack of our lives, God, I ask that you just make that real plain to us. Make yourself known to us, Father. Help us to be willing where we're unwilling, God. Draw our hearts ever closer to you, Father. Lord, you said no one comes unless you draw. Father, I ask for the drawing of the Holy Spirit all across this room right now. Our young ones, Father, if there's anything, God, that they may need your help with, draw them, Father, in the name of Jesus. For those of us who have walked with you for years, God, don't leave us the same way, God. Every day should be getting better and better. It's a new day for new mercies, God. So I ask, Father, that the drawing will begin, Father. Don't leave us the same way that we have been found this day. In Jesus' name we pray.